Um, I, I think one that, that comes down to a, a really desire. I think that's what it really comes down to. You know, some people, whether they get into into real estate investing, and some people get into it because they love they love the idea of it. You're listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, you ask? It's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes and hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing training and education and much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us and see you at therightclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. Right Club Nation, welcome back to another special episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm here today. My name is Sarah Larby, and I'm here with Alfonso Salemi. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? Nice to see you. I know it's been a while. Like, I have a pretty good tan right now. I've, uh, I've been at the cottage since, uh, let's just call it March, minus a, a couple days here and there. But uh, and it's almost time to give it up for the renters because uh, lots of people wanted to rent it this year. But what's new on your end? Yeah, same here. I've been trying to head out to a couple different beaches uh, and get some sun as much as I can, you know, get this white melon of mine, get some color on it and, uh, and start enjoying, you know, some of the all the hard work that we do in real estate investing. Uh, try to enjoy that little bit of time off where our systems and, and the things that we put in place allow us to do that. So I'm, uh, I'm super pumped for today's episode. And uh, I know the Right Club Nation uh, knows and loves our, our guest today. And uh, he's known as, as Mr. Ottawa. He's been on the podcast before. He's been on your podcast, Sarah. And he's just a wealth of information. If you don't follow this guy, seriously, like, you know, you're doing something wrong, really. But uh, um, yeah, I'm super pumped. Why don't, we bring, why don't we bring Tony right in? Absolutely. Welcome, Tony. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Alfonso. How's it going, dude? Very good. Very good. Yeah, good. so so good to, uh, to have you on. I know, you know, we've met a bunch of times in the Right Club Nation. You've been on our our sustaining build series, our webinars, and giving so much information from you know Eastern Ontario perspective and from a really from a real estate investor perspective. So kind of a quick quick background for those of uh, first time hearing or seeing Tony. Why don't you give us just a quick little background of uh, of who you are? We can get right into it. Sure. I'm a uh, I, I'm a lifer in Ottawa. For those who don't know, so I was born and raised in Ottawa, and I don't think I have any plans on leaving uh, unless. 6.9 or something like that really kicks in, then I might hightail it out of here to Newfoundland. Uh, but really, uh, born and raised in Ottawa, uh, worked in the federal public service, uh, communication security establishment for 24 years, almost 25 years. Perfect storm type of thing where, you know, you're, you're in the government and things are going well, you get paid well, you have a lot of benefits, there's a lot of security, but man, you know what you're exchanging for that? It's your soul. It's your soul, Alfonso, because you're really, you're sort of like after a little bit in, there's really not much you can do, right? You can't go along and make things happen quickly. And you're sort of um, uh, stuck, if you want to put it that way, right? And it comes a point after a while in the government where if you're in there for too long, then you have to keep going because your pension, 
right? You want to keep going for your pension. And I got to the point where, okay, I have to make a decision. What do I want to do? And I said, well, it's time to go. My mindset, the way, you know, I, everybody grows as time goes on sort of thing. And I just said, ask, ah, I'm, I'm ready to, to, to go. And the organization changed. I changed. Heck, my wife, our, our kids were just entering high school at the time. So it was a good time to, to, to just make a change, right? And I'll do that again. Like there's no, I have, I'm not hesitant at all in doing something else. And then uh, right now I'm uh, Ottawa's realtor and service provider for Keyspire in the Ottawa area. Uh, long time reign member investing since about 2008. More into private money lending now. Just sold a property last week. We have out in out east. You know, so we're winding some, some stuff down. And uh, yeah, that's some former, former Ottawa son, real estate investing writer. There's a bunch of other stuff, but yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Awesome. And guys, we, uh, we had Tony on before and we went through a lot more background and a lot more details, but that's not what we want to do today. Uh, we just want to, you know, actually talk and share what's happening in real time and have more of a conversation. Cause I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, get some, some great value from just having a conversation about what's happening in real estate, what's happening with tenants, what's happening in the market as three investors that have you know a fairly good grasp on the market whether it's you know ottawa brantford gta um and i mean alfonso you're kind of uh, all over the place with your 200 plus properties i feel like um so so tony you know what do you ha what have you been up to in the midst of this whole um you know i guess since march uh now we're, we're recording this in, in july but what have you been up to from a, a real estate perspective amidst COVID and all the chaos? Right. Well, I think first of all, first and foremost, I've been involved in, in doing, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be on the Right Club, uh, uh, the monthly one. Uh, I forget the name, I'm sorry. But that one, uh, Sarah's podcast. So I've been really uh, out there trying to educate real estate investors what's happening out there uh, in terms of COVID. You know, because there's so many things going on in terms of mortgage deferrals, property tax deferrals, rent strikers, um, uh, you know, what the what the elected officials are saying and how that's impacting real estate investors. So I've been really paying close attention to those type of things and I've been sharing them with, with investors and landlords. So that's that's been it primarily. Bill 184 is something else that I've been watching uh, quite a bit. And more so, you know, I was telling Sarah before we hopped on that, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I haven't dove into the realtor stuff that much in the last uh, couple of months, you know, sort of thing, just since COVID started. Uh, not because there's not enough business or anything like that. It's just, I don't know, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of been drawn or focusing on some other things. And uh, so I'm really focusing on trying to educate the, the investors that are out there on what's going on city potentially nationally and uh yeah it, it's it's been cool from a personal perspective you know we sold a uh, place out east and so that's really cool and i think i mentioned it before i'm getting more into private money lending and uh, just rsp loans and that type of thing so i'm super happy with that and you can't i can't tell you man like how happy i am to have that property gone from the east coast i'm just i'm thrilled like it's so it's like something off my shoulders, right? Something else ends up, and so it makes me happy. 
So, so Sarah, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you have a cottage, right? Yeah. So where's the cottage at? Are you seeing like a higher, are more people actually interested in going to your cottage this year compared to last year? Are you scared about COVID? Are you worried about any of that stuff? So I, I will tell you, it's crazy. So since Ford removed the ban, my yeah. cottage, like within a week and a half, was completely booked um, until mid-September. And I actually just had an inquiry uh, from the rest of September to October. And everything in between other than, because we always save the weekends that we want first before we release it. Um, and it's crazy and it, and it just flew by. And then, you know, because you're asking about the cottage piece, I'll tell you, there's a lot of demand still, like people asking me where else they can find cottages. Um, and Alfonso, you, I know you've got a couple cottages as well. So mine's in the Corth as, and I'll tell you, I wish I had a couple more cottages. Um, and, and ironically, as you know, we've had a few friends over here and there within the limit and everyone that's come up has now decided that they want a cottage. So they started looking for cottages. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, it is the best thing I've ever done. Um, personally, from a sanity perspective, because I've been able to be here since March and I decided to stay until, you know, until it's rented essentially in July where I'll, I'll be making about 5.50 a night. I think if I had kept on to some dates, I would have been able to, to rent it for more than the 550 a night just because so many people are like desperately trying to get out of their small spaces and, and the downtown core um, and where they're living just to get some fresh air. Yeah. Have you seen property increases the cottage wise? Like there's if, just, if there's any for sale? Like are they, there's barely yeah. anything for sale. Barely anything for sale. But I'll tell you, we did well on on the cottage. I, like, you know, I, I saw one nearby and it's listed for like 789 right now and it is not that nice so i'm thinking ours is probably worse like there's a little bit bigger but i'm thinking we're probably at that price and we bought it for 485 like three years ago probably one of the best investments that i've done where i've enjoyed it uh the most but what about what about you alfonso like what are you seeing in the cottage industry yeah definitely you know tony brings it up like the prices i think it was maybe a general overall theme with supply and demand in the market in general right? With, with whether it's rental property, single family homes. And I guess, yeah, definitely in the cottages. With the cottages, um, Port Stanley Cottages, it's just south of London, Ontario, right near St. Thomas. Um, uh, there's now 10, 10 beach cottages out there that we have. And yeah, like really booking up quickly. Um, yeah, the times are pressed. Like I'm even like looking at the week I booked for myself. I'm like, well, that's revenue now I'm giving away because I'm going up. But again, back to the sanity point, right? If, I think there's a real supply and demand as we're forced to stay within our within our boundaries, within our borders here in Canada, the staycations or the short drives that are an hour, two hour away, but feel like you're on a different planet because you have like a beautiful beach view or like I said, I'm trying to go to all these different beaches. I think yeah. that, you know, that's directly impacted by COVID. You can't go anywhere. The people yeah. that are, they're buying paddle boards now instead of going on vacations to go to their closest lake, right? Yeah. I know Ottawa has a lot of beautiful spots and locations like well, what's a good little cottage community or beach town community like around in and around the ottawa greater ottawa area well, well before uh, before i answer that sarah can you just tell me like in your cottages do you offer free wine and coffee like you know, is that, <laughs> is that included? so i offer for coffee but you know what i don't actually advertise it because if there is no coffee i don't want to be responsible so i do stock it Yes. Um, and it's there, there's free coffee, there's free tea. I used to do yeah. like a bottle of wine for like the first like few guests yeah. that came and then we kind of, you know, got away from that. But, uh, 
what do you think people would want Alfonso? Do you think as a gift, do you think they'd rather have like all you can drink coffee or all you can drink wine in the cottage? Probably Ooh, all no. you can drink wine. All you, all you can drink wine. Yeah, you're going to get definitely <laughs> a lot more value out of it. But I know, you know, we, we had a few different presenters talking about like vacation properties and, you know, Wi-Fi is probably the top amenity. Like people, yeah. I think, put Wi-Fi over like running water in some, in some cases, right. In terms yeah. of the cottage rentals, but yeah, just little gifts thinking like, you know, like I know Sarah, Sarah does a really good job. She's got her, her, her book and, we, and in all of our cottages, we have it posted like rules and like garbage days and all the different things that you need to know, but even like a little local treat and something up there, like it's always nice to, it's like a welcome, like the, the old school mint on the pillow, right. At yeah. the, uh, yeah. at the nice hotels. And do, stuff like do any of your cottages have an outhouse? It has no, a sauna. All have, have, uh, have all plumbing. <laughs> yep. All. So yeah, no, I have plumbing, air conditioning, Wi-Fi. It feels a little bit like a home on a lake. Um, and we just got a new dock as well, which is Sounds awesome. awesome. But like, yeah. I would if it wasn't so desolate in the winter, which you know I like to have some action and people visiting me, I would love to live here all year. But our winters yeah. are just too long. My grandmother had a cottage on the Ottawa River. Our parents used to take us out there, and it was awesome. I remember as a kid, it was just terrific. The, there was no plumbing or, or um, there was electricity, but no plumbing. So we had to go to the outhouse, that type of thing. And some really solid memories there. And uh, my parents at one point said, okay, guys, listen, because we're five kids. They go, listen, we can keep the cottage, or we can build a pool in the backyard. And so we decided to go with the pool, so they sold the cottage. But now I wish we had it, hey? You know, it's at different times and everything. But Alfonso, if you're asking, like, the cottage country sort of thing in the Ottawa area, definitely we have, like, the big Rideau, the Rideau Lakes area. Uh, west of Perth is, is really good. Uh, even a little bit north of Ottawa, going towards Pembroke. Uh, there's so much, there are so many, so many waterways and so many lakes, the Rideau Canal. People head over on the Quebec side also. And within an hour, you can be out there, you know, in nature, isolated, whatever you want to do. And it's, so, it's such a great location. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I would want to take on to a cottage right now. Like at least, you know, even owning one and just going up. My wife has like an old beat up uh, trailer thing that she's trying to work, work up and, and fix. So once that's done, we'll probably go on trips and that thing and, and hang out. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of locations in Ottawa uh, that people are looking for campgrounds and cottages and stuff like that. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right, Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. 
Yeah. And you know what the other thing is too, because I just, so I finished that Burlington Burr and then I'm like, what do I want to do with this? We had it on the market and I'm like, you know, the prices that I was getting, I'm like, mm, you know, I could, I might as well just keep it. And so I'm, I'm getting it refinanced. I'm like, do I want to rent it long-term or do I want to rent it on Airbnb? And even though the acquisition of like buying all the furniture, I don't want to deal with uh, the RTA anymore at this point. Like, for, for a little while longer, right? Until we, we figure out what, what the delay might be like and, and what that looks like. But I'll tell you, when you look at the pros and cons, Airbnb, is, I mean, and once this is all over, because it will be at some point, Airbnb just seems like the easiest solution in Ontario where we are so handcuffed to what the RTA says and the LTB is just a disaster. And let's talk about that for a minute. Sure, yeah. Because you did, it you did a like, lot of, uh, you know, you've been looking at what's been happening and, and all that. And you mentioned Bill 184 a while ago. And can I just take a step back and say, for those of those people wondering what that, that even means, can you talk um, on what Bill 184 is and what that means for, for investors and landlords? Sure, I can, I can speak to it at a high level. I, I even forget the name of the bill. <laughs> it's... Uh... I forget what it's called. I'll have to Google it or some, you know, I'll check it out. But it's, it, it's, a, it's a bill that, of course, the government is saying that they're trying to benefit both landlords and tenants. And we were hoping that Bill, bill 184 was actually going to concentrate on some of the things that are in need of fixing. We're talking the N, uh, N4L1 process. You know, there, there's so many things that need to be done. Heck, just come up to, you know, move it to come out of the dark ages LTV and allow emails to be sent and you know video conferences for hearings and stuff like that um, but it really didn't touch on that uh, it really focuses on on uh, one is penalties to landlords for, for compensation if, if you're selling a property let's say Alfonso and you're selling your own uh, your property and you're you're asking your tenant to vacate because you want vacant possession or the buyer wants vacant possession, you would have to pay the tenant one month's rent. That's that's not there today, so that's something new that's coming along. So, uh, you know, the it, it's interesting because when I was looking at it and I noticed that tenant organizations like Acorn and uh, I guess Parkdale in Toronto, you know, the tenant groups, they're up in arms, right? They're freaking out. They're saying, oh my gosh, this is the eviction bill. You know, it's everyone's gonna be on the street. What are you doing bringing this on during COVID? And at the same time, Ontario Landlord Watch, myself and other people, we're up in arms. We're saying, what the hell you do? And you didn't listen to us when you talked to us. This is not what we wanted. So it's interesting that both sides are, are kind of saying, well, hey, this, this isn't right. So that sort of tells me that maybe the government actually wrote something balanced here, right? It's something's actually working. I haven't gone through all of my stuff. Well, you guys can't see it. So I'm picking up a piece of paper here. It's the, the Bill 184. It has four parts to it overall. Part four has to do with the RTA Residential Tenancies Act. So over the weekend, and I'll be finishing it tonight, I'll be going comparing the the bill, what's in the bill to what's existing in the RTA and seeing what those changes are. I'm doing a, uh, uh, I guess a Zoom thing with Kayla tomorrow night and we'll go over you know, some of the changes. And Kayla knows 
probably knows it inside out already. I'll have to study it tomorrow before I hop on, on the line with her. So that's that's pretty much what Bill 184 is. There's, there's obviously a lot more to it, but um, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's not going to change much. They did some hearings. Uh, the committee was in committee, and it's being sent back to the House now. Uh, so the legislature for royal assent or vote or whatever, and it's going to pass. Yeah. And, and, not, and not to steal the headline, I'm just Googling here. It's the Protecting Tenants and Strengthening Community Housing Act. Right. So go. all of our landlords see that protecting tenants. It's like, how can it be further? Yeah. Be further when you know, obviously, we all have that you know kind of general sense that Ontario is such a, a tenant friendly or tenant skewed right uh in the landlord tenant for, board, right like for how long like, well, the liberals were in power for how long and man they just it just skewed everything everything went towards the tenant i won't say everything that's that's an exaggeration many things went to the tenants right and they did updates and changes and okay but now all of a sudden we're you know this bill comes along and you know there might be a couple of good things for landlords and the like the people like the tenant organizations and tenant advocates they're really like in an uproar you should see the spin and the, the information misinformation that they're spreading out uh, on social media so uh, it's good to see the needle maybe change a little bit and i'm going to make i'm going to make a prediction right now um, i'm going to go out and say a, make a bold statement and say that bill 184 Initially, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, right? The arm's flailing, you know, the, the guy, what's that, the air, you know, the rubber band guy on the side road? Yeah, the, used, the used the car salesman, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, I keep forgetting that we're not on video, so people who are listening can't see me flailing my arms around. Um, Sarah's looking at me like I'm nuts. No, that's fine. It, I mean, if you guys do want to see his arms flailing around, check it out on YouTube. <laughs> Otherwise, you can keep listening to it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I'm going to say that it's, Based on what I've seen right now and what I'm hearing, it's it's really not that bad. But I, I'm going to make that bold prediction. I haven't finished going through all of the reports and all the changes, but so far, okay, you know, it's you know, it's nothing that I'm going to to walk away feeling all upset about. Or anything, yeah. sure. and, and you know what it is? It is timely that you know through the midst of this pandemic, a lot of people worried about their current renters. Their current acquisitions when they're bringing on properties that they're either going to burn hold and they're going to put new renters in there right so it's it's it now not just because this new bill is coming out but i think at any time if you're gonna have any rental portfolio or sorry any rental properties in your portfolio you should be aware of these acts and, and be those that that professional landlord or that professional housing provider that you know what you can and can't do or have the team members that are going to do that for you. So yeah. you, know, you work with primarily investors, mostly investors, if not exclusively. And in, you know, what, what have you seen that, that have these, the rentals these days that they're, they're currently clients, are they still paying? Are there more delays? Has it like, because of the CERB payments, have people been able to collect that? I know with your surveys, you've been sending out throughout the COVID that you've been kind of uh, polling landlords right from small medium large size landlords what what's the general sense out there is it like you know what i'm gonna hold through i'm gonna keep getting the rents on i'm, I'm scared to fill my units because what, what's your general sense out there from all the people that you work with? uh it's a bit of everything uh and i think initially when when all of this started when i started doing the surveys for the, the first one for april and we were all kind of surprised at wow okay everybody you know I forget what the percentage was, 
but it was pretty high where people were getting 100% of their rent. And more were being paid their rent. Yes, there were some who defaulted. Mind you, that was at the beginning of COVID. So things hadn't really kicked in yet. And uh, now, uh, you know, I guess for the, the second month when we did it, so that would have been uh, uh, May, the, the, there was definitely a, a little bit more, um, what's the word I say? Not fear, but just, okay, cautiousness maybe is the right word, a little bit of caution. And I find that now for, for this month, there seems to be a little bit of apathy, yeah, just in, in, in general. And uh, we'll get into that when I guess when we start going through the survey, but it was, it's interesting to see the, the waves and the emotions and how things have changed drastically a few times within a three, four month period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every week it, it seems like there's something new and a new headline, um, but it is interesting. And just Tony, with your, your personal investments, like, um, and we'll go through your, your, your survey in a minute, but yeah. what about you? Like, has everybody paid you as a oh, yeah. landlord? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been really fortunate. You know, even the, even some tenants who, you know, you may not really, you know, you, they're not your favorite tenants. You know, you know what I mean? Like yep. good people. Have some of those. <laughs> yeah. But they're paying. And uh, a couple of people were late. We had some people move in over the weekend and some move-ins and uh, some miscommunication perhaps with the first month. But apart from that, no, I, I've been really fortunate that everybody's been able to pay. Yeah. How about you guys? I, good? I've been good. I mean, there's one one person that needed a, like three extra days this month to pay and he paid within those three extra days. And that was like his first time that he you had to be uh, delayed a little bit, but no, every, everyone's been good. Um, and I was able to do a rent increase as well. The tenant was, uh, was fine. So it's, uh, you know, it, it goes back to screening. Every time I've been able to screen my own tenants and pick my own, those tenants are great. Sometimes you just acquire them, right? And you don't really have, have a whole lot of say in it. And also sometimes some slip through the cracks, but, um, you know, luckily, um, all of mine realized that, uh, that it's, you know, just as important as buying food and buying other things that rent is just up there with, uh, with what they need to, to make sure that they cover. What about you, Alfonso? Yeah. At the point of, you know, that April 1st date, I remember because everybody remembers April 1st, April Fool's Day. So everybody's like, oh no, this is not going to be a joking day, right? On April 1st, there's going to be no humor when nobody gets, sends in their rent. And and surprisingly, yeah, like it was in the probably upper 80s that everybody had kind of paid in full. And that's with, let's call it about 110 rent-to-owns under, under management, right? At any point at the beginning of the rent-to-own, the first, second, or third year. And, uh, and, and now we were, again, we're back up into the high 90s of, there's only a few, maybe less than a handful that are on like a payment plan making up for missed rent. And that's including the higher down payment savings as well too, right? Um, now that was through CERB, through... Uh, unemployment, all, all the government programs that were offered. And uh, and now obviously with people getting back to work or working from home, kind of becoming a little bit more of a normal thing. So um, I think that just reinforces the strength of investing in real estate. And like Sarah said, the screening process where like I, I have other normal rentals in my portfolio and the way that we screen them versus our rental. And I'm almost like, well, we're not doing enough. But then in comparison to like other rentals and other rental properties that people come with, like, you know, a handful of cash, hey, I can move in tomorrow, right? And you're like, oh, okay, right? So with the, with the rent-to-own screening process, you're getting to know a little bit more about their motivation, their long-term goal, because they're going to eventually own this house. So the screening process is so important, like Sarah said, and, and 
And even now, I, I guess I'll ask both you guys this question. If you did have, and, and this is a situation where I have a, a duplex in, in East Hamilton. I've rented out one of the units, done the background check, the screening really looks good. So I have one more unit looking to rent out. I have it advertised. I have it up on there. And, you know, I'm like, oh, let's get somebody really good in there. But what do you say to those investors that have that fear? I'm like, oh, they okay, they give me their first and last. And then if they stop paying what everybody's fearing, it's like a year, year and a half, maybe before we get in front of adjudicators or meetings, like what's the approach? I know there's not one perfect approach, but what are you kind of guiding your investors with Tony? And then Sarah, how are you kind of managing it with, I know you have tons of students and clients that have rentals as well too. Yeah. I mean, I think with screening, they just have five steps and it's very, very thorough. And some of it is actually inspecting, you know, what's currently happening with our current landlords since March um, and asking for proof of uh, funds having been sent to them. Um, and, you know, sometimes if it doesn't check off, I would, you know, suggest that they just leave it empty for a month or two until they find the right tenant. But this is not the time to take chances. First and last, I mean, I've, I've filled the unit in May. There was somebody that was getting divorced and um, sold their house. So like, you know, they checked all the other boxes. They went through all the other steps. And I would just say, don't, um, you know, trust your gut. Don't take a chance just because you need to fill your unit. I would say leave it vacant until you find that right person. Because, yeah, it can take many months if you have the wrong one. Don't settle. Oh, no, absolutely not. So, you know, that, that would just be, that's just what I tell them. And, uh, and I've uh, started helping them with screening tenants and they send me some examples of certain ones, all of the stuff that worked and then the red flags. And to be honest, if there's red flags, you're passing. That's my advice. Uh, because at the end of the day, this, in Ontario prior, it was not a time to take a chance. And in Ontario, especially now, it is not time to take a chance. So that's my stance. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting that before... Before COVID, here in Ottawa, with the super low vacancy rates, we had the the pick, right? We could we could we could afford to say, yeah, sorry, we don't want you, even though we're really good. We're going to wait it out and pick somebody even better, uh, job wise or you know personality, whatever it was. Uh, now it's sort of changed a little bit, I guess. Eh? Now with COVID, um, just have to be a little bit more careful. And here in Ottawa, I always go back to the the tenant profile that. That you're looking for is many times it's students many times it's you know i'm filling a place here in orleans and i ask the property manager okay i want government workers i want federal government workers they're going to get paid they're not losing their paychecks pretty pretty secure uh we haven't heard of anybody being uh laid off because of covid at the federal level no talks of wage freezes or anything yet uh, that may come but uh it's really it's pretty simple i just say Government work. <laughs> go find, go find me some of those. Yeah, that those safe, secure jobs, and and that are that are going to go back. Like you know, the restaurants, and again, that was a big part of a clientele for rent to owns, right? That people that weren't claiming their full income, right? That were service workers or making a lot of money in tips, right? And and now those types of industries, not to say one more than another, they've all been impacted. But you know, the service industries and where group uh, large gatherings and things like that, if that was your job. That's going to be tough, and and I still think we're a far cry away from a normal and second wave and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, and, and Alfonso, the other thing I would just say is like you guys just have to be careful if you're listening to this, not to discriminate because they've lost their job and they're on CERB. Whatever your criteria is, fine. 
just don't give them a reason why you are not choosing or moving forward with them because you guys can get in a lot of trouble. You can't discriminate on the, on how they bring in their income, um, mm -hmm. SERB included. So have your preferences, keep them to yourself. Don't let them be known and do not give that as a reason. Just cover your butts. Yeah. You don't have to give a reason. That's, that's great advice, right? And, and yeah. as, as all housing providers and small to medium, large landlords and, and, and those type of people, we all run our individual businesses kind of in parallel and sometimes it intersects with, with each other, but we all have to make those decisions for ourselves, whether it's your investment, if you want to be passive, active, right? You have to make those choices for yourself. And that's why, you know, conversations like, you know, the three of us sitting around here talking, um, getting different opinions and you take the best of make it your own. Right? It's never going to be exactly the same. You can do it exactly like Sarah, but you're going to have different apprehensions. Sarah has a different comfort level now at a certain point. Same with Tony. Right, You're going to have to get up to that level and feel comfortable before you just go ahead and say, okay, yeah, I feel your gut. What does that mean? I've never interviewed somebody. Right, So yes. work with those people that have walked through those steps that have kind of blazed the trail and, and now make it your own and put your own spin on it where now this is my little niche. Yeah, for sure. And Sarah's got a, a kick butt type of programming. So yeah, if there are any questions, contact Sarah. She'll walk you through. Yeah, absolutely. Tenant screening pre-COVID, but also enhanced with COVID. So, so Tony, you've put together a really great uh, results PowerPoint presentation of what's been happening with tenants during COVID um, and specifically in June. So can you walk us through, and I know a lot of people are, are I would say 95% of people, maybe 90, listen uh, to this. And yep. you know, out of everybody that, that does tune in, a big majority is still in Ontario and they're still investing in Ontario or they're from Ontario. So it's gonna be really relevant. So if you guys are curious to see who's paid, who hasn't paid, why, Tony's gonna to be able to share the survey results that he did. So take it away. Sure. Alfonso, would you be able to bring up the uh, shared screen? I'm sorry, I should have asked Sarah to tell you what to do again. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Hey, Google, pull up the survey. Or, hey, Alfonso, pull up the survey, right? <laughs> if we can go to the, uh, to the first page there, uh, that'd be great. There we go. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so the background with the surveys has really been, I really wanted to find out what was happening out there because of COVID. There was a lot of uncertainty and I wanted to get some certainty. I wanted to, you know, I had to grab onto something, something firm and find out what's going on. So why am I doing the surveys? Or it's really just find out what's happening during COVID. I wanted to help educate or at least inform other investors and groups like what's happening or at least what we're seeing based on the surveys because there's been some interesting trends. And uh, the last thing is that want to share with local or provincial officials and you know I'm not a lobbyist uh, you know I, yeah I advocate for landlords but at least sharing the results with them maybe maybe if I'm lucky you know I might influence them in some decision down the road who knows uh, but that's what I've been doing here in the city is to share it with a few counselors and uh, and I've been I've been sharing it up on uh, social media as well so I guess the first thing I want to touch on is when we talk about the, you know, how, how, how many different waves we've seen since COVID started in terms of changes, right? There's been so many changes. And so April, 2020 is when we did the first survey. 
I had 173 responses in May. It jumped up to 226 and I'm like, this is awesome. Great. You know, it's, it's picking up steam. Let's go. Let's make it happen. And then all of a sudden June hits, we get 108. Wah, wah, wah. Like what, what's that? Like what, how did, yeah, how what's come? going on? Why, why do you think that is? I know Tony, I think you have your reasons. I'm, I'm maybe I'd give you my best guess. Sure. Is yeah. when this first, everybody called it, it was like the novel coronavirus like it was novel it was something new something going on all this information and i think in human nature we're always adapting changing getting used to our surroundings whatever they are and i think more people has kind of taken a step back oh okay yeah now all oh, corona this oh corona oh yeah that's normal right you don't hear about toilet paper anymore any either no, right so um, i don't know what, what are your thoughts that, that's what i thought maybe people yeah. just took a little bit more of a step back to it yeah i i think it's more well, I think that you're, that's a really good point. I think that's, that's, that's super true. I think people have, uh, over time, have become maybe immune from information overload about, about COVID. And maybe the survey and the, and the groups that I've been targeting, maybe they just got tired of it. That's possible. Right? Like it's, maybe they still want to take it. Uh, overall, though, I, what I've seen over the last two, three years is that I believe that small landlords just aren't as passionate, just aren't passionate enough to get involved in the big issues many times, right? We'll, we'll get on Facebook and Twitter and we'll tweet and we'll post and we'll bitch and complain. Uh, but when you really need to hit the pavement and when you really need to make a statement and get involved, most won't, it won't get involved. Uh, honestly, I really do believe that. In Ottawa, for example, we had the short term, uh, rental regulations, long-term rental regulation thing going last year for several months, I was shaking my head. Like, where the heck was everybody? Like, like we go to, I go to meetings, like you know, public, public uh, consultations for the paper. And, you know, there might be two or three of us. The rest were all homeowners and maybe a couple of city staff. A couple of them, a couple of other ones had a lot more investors but overall it was really disappointing so i just think that overall you know i i think i i don't think that we're hurting as small landlords right i don't like the rta any any more than anybody else and i totally agree with sarah that, it, that it's lousy but take away the rta and the ltv it's it's really you know we're in it for a reason and we're profitable so i just don't think that small landlords are hurting enough to actually jump out and start uh, you know, making their voices heard. Anyways, that's just my, my, my bold statement. for today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting and I agree. And I also think that in April there was more worry about what was going to happen. And even in May, and now there's been big, a bit more of a trend, um, and summer's happening and the weather is out there. Yeah. And I see people are at cottages, Sarah. They keep going to cottages all the time. I know, right? I, I've been at the cottage myself. But I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, it, it's one of it's one of those things because you're right. We're not we're not not most of us are not in a situation of I'm going to lose my property because of this tenant. Um, and maybe you can actually go through the survey results because I think part of it will show how much how many have paid versus how many have not paid. Um, but yeah. I do, but I do agree. And maybe there's something smaller, 
that we can see, okay, what can landlords do that's not necessarily hot, like going out to a meeting, because maybe that is good for some people and, and maybe it's an uphill battle to get more people out there. But what's something small that we can say, okay, like this is a little a step in the right direction or a small step in, in a direction of trying to unite us um, when there's always going to be people, Tony, and we know this, that are going to be more active in anything. And there's other people that are going to be, you know, accepting, but they don't want to add more workload to what they have already. Yes, 100%. Yep. So speaking of small, uh, I asked, you know, I did the survey for small landlords. That's, that was the focus, really. And so I asked, how many doors in Ontario do you own? That was the second question. And 68%, I didn't ask that in April, by the way, so we'll jump right to May. 68% of landlords had between one and five doors. 66% had between one and five doors in June. 16% uh, had between six and 10 doors in May. 21% between six and 10 doors. Uh, it was only roughly you know, 5% who had 20 plus doors at the end. Uh, so, uh, you know, the great majority of, at least going by the survey, a lot of small landlords own fewer than six doors. So, in, in I don't know how you guys define it, but in general, like my definition of small landlords is anybody who owns uh, rental properties and has like 19 or fewer doors. That's generally been my definition, and, and maybe that's too high, maybe that's too much. Maybe it should be something like less than 14 or something. Yeah, I don't think there's like an actual by the book definition. I, you know, kind of just like when you say like A, B or C property or A, B, C, D area, you know, it's kind of all defined yeah. a little differently. We all speak a similar language, right. but it's not like yeah. in stone, black and white. I wish this was on a, a video because this is a very, are you a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, Alfonso? Definitely no? not. Okay. No. no? Okay, well. <laughs> Anyways, I, the question is, in which Ontario cities or towns do you own investment properties? And of course, number one on the list is Ottawa Carleton, because that's my hood. You see, that's, that's where I was born and raised. So a lot of my network is here uh, in Ottawa. So anywhere between 31 and 37% uh, responded to the survey, and they're from Ottawa. And then the GTA came in uh, second at about 20 21%, 17%. Eastern Ontario had good representation. Other areas in the province included like Northern Ontario, Windsor, uh, Central Ontario, that type of thing. But uh, far and away, Ottawa was the winner. And that's why you can't see it on the screen, but you know, there's on my slide, it has the, the Ottawa Red Blacks hoisting the Grey Cup, right? Because they won and Ottawa's first here on the list. So you see what I'm trying to do there, Alfonso? I, I love it. I love it. I, I can't say I'm, I'm a Red Blacks fan. I'm, I'm, I, I bleed gold and black with the Tide Cats here in yeah. Canton, But uh, uh, I was going to say, Tony, you're smart because you know not to ask me because I unfortunately, <laughs> and I, I hate to admit this, but it is the truth. I know nothing about sports, especially. <laughs> and uh, well, but again, even uh, leading up to, you know, before the pandemic hit and in the last I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years, and Ottawa was red hot, right? It was such a strong market where you said, like, we had our pick of the litter of the type of clientele, the type of renters that, you know, you wanted in your, in your properties, right? And 
And I think, you know, I think that still rings true and maybe even more so, right? As like you said, the jobs probably are going to be coming more back into Ottawa and supporting government, right? Well, it's, it's interesting. They just released the stats today and uh, did a quick review and, and there's 52% less listings year over year for residential properties. Wow. 52. Wow. That's, that's, that's insane. For condos, it's 42% year over year. Um, so there's absolutely nothing out there. And the ones that do come up and that they're well-priced, they, they sell very quickly. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And, and, and that's, you know, and I know everybody, we talk about it and Sarah mentioned, you know, a couple of different cities and in, in across Ontario that, well, a bunch that we work in, in, in uh, 20 primarily in Ottawa, Sarah in the Brantford and, you know, Peterborough as well market. It, that doesn't matter what that market is, know what your fundamentals are, know what those research are, why you want to be in that area. And it's not just because Tony told you to, or Sarah told you to, if that's your only reason, dig deeper guys, right? There's sometimes I look at a city or a little township outside. I'm like, I've never even heard of this place. Okay, let's find out. Let's get to the fundamentals. What's there? Why do the clients want to be there? What's going to happen in a worst case? If we need to, you know, refill this vacancy, put somebody else in it long-term doesn't make sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Don't take my advice for anything other than Ottawa. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard enough to keep track of Ottawa. I don't know anything else outside of Ottawa, even across the river in Quebec and Gatineau. Hey, Alfonso, like I, I, I I don't, I have no clue what's going on there. And it's just, you know, it's a short stroll across the bridge for crying out loud. So don't take my advice uh, for anywhere else, that's for sure. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. All markets are so different. I mean, even like this is why there is no such thing as an Ontario or a Quebec or an Alberta market. And then even in Ontario, there is no such thing as even a GTA market, like every small pocket and even Brantford, you can divide it. And so just be that specialist, pick one or two markets as you're getting started and just learn it Absolutely. over and over and over. Get comfortable in it run all the fundamentals i have a free fundamentals checklist on my website you guys can go and download it for free and it has all the stuff that i look for before i pick yeah. a city do that before you yeah and it's, the wrong it's one. becoming a neighborhood specialist right before you make that leap pick the city pick the neighborhood and and the property type all that stuff but you really need to know your specific area uh what you're doing and, and that gives you an advantage over everybody else because you know what type of properties are sold in that area what they sell for uh, what the issues are what the bylaws are in that area you know who the city politicians are gentrification upcoming projects jobs all that type of stuff it's critical and sometimes I, I don't know about you guys but sometimes I say that to, to people I'm working with and it, it's sort of they, they don't really always take it to heart like they just say go find me a property in Ottawa and I go well don't you want to focus over here Ottawa's a million people for crying out loud. It's a big city, you know, like 
there's a lot of different and strategy uh, will differ too right depending if you want if you're doing like a basement conversion or you need multifamily or single family like it all depends on where you're going to go and, and, I, and a lot of the people listening to this you know we always talk about oh, real estate it's passive income and work on your retirement <laughs> But it's any, I don't know, the people that are doing it and grinding it, I don't know, it's everything but, right? Like you, you really need to dig deeper and, and pull more information than just grabbing the headlines. Yeah. Um, there's so much news, there's so much info. You could be reading stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop, and you know, bleeding from your yeah. eyes, reading all the information, watching all the videos, and everybody's hot take on what's going on. But you have to kind of turn it back onto what, you're, what you want to do and what, how it's going to affect affect your strategy, your area. And, and like Sarah and Tony said, right, the specific markets that you want to be in and why. Um, so now we got this slide up here of the tenants that have paid, uh, paid rent in full or uh, paid rent in part or in full. So I, I, I want you to kind of walk us through how, yeah, I see those red arrows pointing down for those yes. that are watching, but I'll let you kind of, I'll let you go through the April. For sure. So we asked what percentage of tenants paid rent in part or in full. That was the question to, to landlords out there. And the first answer choice was 100%. And that's, of course, what we're aiming for across the board. And in terms of April, May, and June, we started at 74% for April. It dropped to 71% in May, and then it went to 67% in June. Now, that's, you know, that's not good. Uh, you know, at the same time, I think in Ontario, Sarah, you might remember the the average uh, is something like 84% in Ontario average, like. I think it was 80, 85 from CMHC. Was it 85? Was it? Yeah. Overall, you compare that, that's, that's a big drop, man. You know, um, that's, that's a, that's a big, uh, I don't like that red arrow there, but what's, what's interesting is that, you know, even between 90 and 99%, there there are single digit numbers. So they're not terrible, hey, you know, it's, it's not that bad. But really what concerns me is the number of tenants that are not paying in part or in full, that number is dropping. And at the same time, the number of tenants that have paid 59% or less than 60% of their rent in part or full, that's also dropping. And to me, those are the two extremes that are most worrisome, right? 18% of tenants yeah. didn't pay rent in part or full uh, in June. Yeah, so that's actually increasing from April because April was 10% yeah. of people that didn't pay less or they, you know, so it's actually, it's, it's yes. increasing, which is actually a bad thing because now we're at 18% of people that, that are reporting that their tenants paid 59% or less. Yes, at 100%, we want those numbers to go up, but when you're yeah. in the 59, 60, you want those numbers uh, to go down, but they're going up. I know it's it's hard to sh it's hard to talk about this. I find when, on a podcast, it, it's, it, it's a so basically thing. basically to summarize it is people are paying rents less and less as the months are going on. It started at seventy four percent of people paying one hundred percent. Now it's at sixty percent. That's a bad. That's that's unfortunate. It's not good. It's not trending in the right direction. Less right. tenants are able to afford rent than they used to the months prior. At the same time, though, we'll we'll get to. The, to the slide there where the number of, I think it's in this survey where, you know, the number of tenants who are receiving financial assistance has gone up. So how can, how can those numbers be contradictory, right? If the number of tenants who are receiving financial assistance 
is going up, well, then the number of tenants who are paying rent in part or full should also go up. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's the part, like you have a few different reasons, um, you know, why tenants aren't paying the rent. And I, I really want to encourage people that, that are listening to this. Um, maybe we can, we'll, we're going to put definitely this up on, on the forums on the right club.com. Uh, we want more people to, to do these surveys. Tony's gone through the effort, the time to kind of put these questions in and to pull all of us landlords all together, right? So the more data, the more people, let's get that number up guys, 105 people. That's not enough. We need more information. We need more data. So this next time we'll probably maybe have Tony back in a month or so, uh, or if not earlier, and we'll talk about, you know, results in July. And, and make sure that we should put Alfonso, we should put the poll on the right club online site now that it's that's up. That's right. Absolutely. We're, we're going to, be yeah, if you're listening to this, we're going to have it as a separate forum page on there. We're going to call the Tony Miller survey. Um, and, and we're going to get this information out there because I, I honestly think that this is, this is important guys. And the more information that we have, the better that we're going to be able prepared to, to combat that or to, to at least find solutions as we work together. Yeah. Amen. It's in, in the slide that we're looking at here, you know, why didn't the tenants pay is, is really important to know as well. And, you know, for sure there are COVID sucks, you know, it's stripped businesses, businesses are closed, people lost jobs, lost income. And so those are legit reasons, right? You can't, if a tenant comes to you, Sarah, and says, I can't pay rent right now because my job hours have been cut in half. You can't. Okay, well, I'm sorry. You can't. You can't be angry about that. Well, you can be. You know, you can be upset or whatever. But you can't blame them, right? It's COVID. And what are they going to do? So you have to work with those tenants because it's legit excuse. They're not uh, someone who's trying to rip you off. Yeah, payment plan and and try to work it through. And at some point, hopefully, you know, you get paid back. Oh, yep. There we go. And you know, the I guess. You know, so those are legit reasons why people can't pay. Then we get into the reasons where, eh, you know, uh, I, I, I group them all as rent strikers. That's what I do here. There are, you know, I just group them all together, even though there are different reasons why they may not be paying. I just group them all together as rent strikers because they're all in a position to pay part or full of their rent, but they're choosing not to for different reasons. And some of those reasons are, well, they're, uh, they're rent strikers, like you see, uh, you've heard like the Parkdale reference I made earlier. Ottawa has its own rent strike chapter that's going on. And those are people who just believe, well, we're not, uh, it's a cause, right? It's, it's, their, it's their belief system and they're using COVID as a way to further their cause and not pay rent. At a time when the government is giving everybody, you know, thousands of dollars to help survive and giving us cash flow to keep moving forward and pay bills and everything. These yahoos come along and say, oh, no, 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 we got government money, but we're not passing it on to the landlords because, well, you know, we're anarchists and uh, far left leaning anar uh, anarchists, right? Um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there for the rent strikers, but that's, that's, uh, uh, that's yeah, and my, uh, they seem like they're increasing as well. So basically 10% of, of tenants that cannot pay rents are for legit reasons. And the rest yeah. of those, that percentage is for, um, they just know they can't get evicted and they're, and they're utilizing the system, unfortunately. That's right. So Which the, the rest of them, the, the biggest reason for, for June is because tenants know that the landlord tenant board is closed and they, and they can't be evicted during the 
emergency. That's at twenty. Pick your tenants very carefully. I know, and I know sometimes you guys just buy something and you can't always get rid of everybody in the building or everybody in the units. But this goes to show you in the good times and bad, you want to know who your tenants are and you want to make sure that they're going to be, you know, in the t- the 10% of the legit reasons as much as possible. And, yeah. and, that, and that's why, you know, yeah. at the right club, we always remind everybody you have to, yes, this is real estate investing and you're investing and you're buying real estate. However, we have to treat this like, like a business who is your customer guys if i had this great idea to go start a vcr company today right i'm not sure how many people would jump on board and invest in that not not a huge market for vcrs maybe there's some collectors there's some really unique ones out there but guys it's you have to know who your clients are who you're selling to who's buying your product who's renting your units right and and really be you know like tony said be picky don't settle screen them through and and really understand that and and get into the point where if one for two months, you have to build in that vacancy. I know vacancy levels were at an all-time low in Ottawa. Tony mentioned like 2% in the Ottawa region and, and other areas were really great where you can do rent increases and people are flipping over. But what's that long-term? Stop the, like looking at those little blips and look at that long-term. Who's that client? Who's the clientele that's going to be in your in your rental? Is it young professionals? Is it, per, is it students? Is it young families, right? What is it close by? You have to know that in your business. If you're selling burgers and you don't know what kind of meat's in your burger, guys, your burger place is going to close up pretty soon, right? Yeah. Um, so like be yeah. aware of that. That's a huge, huge part of that, who your customers are. Sure. All right. So the next question that we had on, this, on the surveys, are any of your tenants receiving financial assistance that is being offered by governments? And in June, 39% said yes. 26% said no. And 35% of landlords responded by not sure. So uh, 39%, like I, I really don't know what the stats are out there in, in general public world. I don't know. I didn't check that out. Do you guys know roughly if that's on par or is it? I don't yeah. know. But you know what I would be interested in knowing is of the 39% of the tenants receiving financial assistance, are those the tenants that are not paying rents versus are those that part of the tenants that are paying? And I think that is going to be interesting to figure out as well. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't watch the news a lot and I had it in the background as I was kind of working. And I think that the big thing that, that I, I grabbed from that was that there's so much uncertainty, like even the, the government announcing their financial plan, what they're outlook looks like in the next six months years right when governments are usually putting out those economic forecasts but between the CERB and the wage subsidy approximately 40 to 50 percent of the workforce was on either one of those and that doesn't include government support for uh, of government workers like federal and provincial support as well too so when we're talking about those numbers that are in some type of support almost half the population right this you know and and 35 percent the number that i grabbed 35 percent people don't know why don't you know? You got to ask your tenants. You got to be in contact with them or talk to whoever's managing <laughs> your properties. That's the, that's the big number that I draw. That goes back to what you were saying before about, you know, knowing what your tenants are, who they are, uh, speaking with them. Communication has been key during COVID, right? It's, it, the government has been hammering us as landlords to go and work out details, payment plans with tenants, find out what's going on and work with them. And to see, yeah, it's a great point, Alfonso, like bringing... How come? How come thirty-five percent of you don't know? It's it's that's crazy. You're gonna have to be like I don't know, returning uh, beer cans for for rent. Like we have to understand, right? Why, what, what they're doing, and, and that's 
again, guys, I can't stress it enough. Let's get more people taking these surveys and getting more information out there and going and really self-reflecting and looking back on who your clients are and why you're doing this. It's a big part of our business, guys. Tony, where can people go and take this survey? Like, where can they go for the July survey results? Uh, well, I'll be sending them out. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the link for the results because okay. uh, the survey monkey that I'm using and uh, I'll send you the link and what would be great too is that anybody in right club nation who has an idea of you know what kind of questions do they want to ask or find out you know what kind of information are they looking for um, that they're interested in you know, I'm asking a set of questions but maybe I know there's a lot of other questions that could be asked as well so if anybody has suggestions it's, just let Sarah and Alfonso. Actually, know you know what would be really cool if you can do? Here's my delegation task for you. So yeah. if you can go to the rightclub.com and now that we have this whole online platform, go to the forum yeah. and start and post it there and ask the question. And guys listening to this, answer Tony's question at the forums on the rightclub.com. Cool. I'll be happy to do that. Thank you. This is just yeah another example of why your network, the people that you that you associate with, that you work to, that you spend the most time with, talk the most time listening to. That's why it's so important. Let's get together because the one question as we get back to the survey, and you know you mentioned it a couple of times that people are a little bit less apathetic. The last stat there, thirty five percent of people don't even know why. Maybe they're not paying on time. I think what what can we do? How can more people get involved? Taking the surveys, the first step, getting involved, getting onto the right club uh, website interacting with other small landlords and other investors, but what else can, can they do to get involved, Tony, to, to really control their businesses? Um, I, I think one that, that comes down to a, a really desire. I think that's what it really comes down to. You know, some people, whether they get into, into real estate investing and some people will get into it because they love, they love the idea of it and not because they really, and then once they're actually in it, they realize, ooh, what did I do? It's really not for me. But I think it's, you know, if, if people have a strong desire and you guys know, you guys know exactly what, I'm, what I mean when I say this is that there are people who will, who will get into the business, who we work with, who are new and they're just gung ho and they listen to stuff and they go and they take the bull by the horns and they're going. Those are the people who will remain active right and they'll get involved in, in different clubs and they'll they'll actually participate in different things um then there's other ones who are just more no no i'm 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 good you know i'll i'll get a few properties and you know a little bit slower going type of thing but i really think it's just a, a personality um and it really again it, you know if, what will really get people involved is if they're starting to feel the pain that's just my opinion. Like you, you, uh, nowadays, there's no reason why people shouldn't be involved in in real estate clubs, and especially with the internet now, there are clubs all. You know, the right club is you know first and foremost, of course, but it, there there are clubs out there in Ottawa across the province. Uh, people are always interested in talking about real estate, and um, so there's lots of opportunities to get involved. And there's really no reason why why they shouldn't. But I guess it comes down to, you know, do they want to? Do they care enough? That type of thing. That's just my take. You know, uh, especially now that everything has like the ability to be online and virtual and webinars, so you could do it from your home. So I'm just thinking like people that are fairly remote that would have to drive four, five, six hours 
to go to a club that they they would want they can they can do it virtually too so 100 yeah you know if but just be careful because there's two types of clubs there's the ones that will try to like upsell you and they have you know things that they want you to buy versus the educational ones so try to really find those educational ones that don't upsell you but they want to help you yeah stick to canadian canadian content that's person awesome so yeah we, we touched on the uh, uh, list a little bit about how they handle vacancies but tony i'll let you kind of um re reference this slide and a little bit of the results from from the questions that you asked of, about vacancies sure uh so how are you handling vacancies right now that was the question and the answer choices choices are i'm filling or attempting to fill vacancies and for the month of june that was at 39 percent the next answer was I'm leaving some or all units as they become, I'm leaving some or all units vacant as they become vacant. Did I write that right? Anyways, um, they're leaving them vacant 14%. And uh, the units are not ready to be occupied or under renovations, therefore they can't be tenanted. Uh, that's at 6% for June. Other, there was a bunch of other reasons that we'll get into next slide. That was at six percent but if you remember the first time i asked that question was in april and i it was it was more just a yes and no and we had something like 70 no how much was it 30 some percent of landlords were leaving their units vacant um but i think it was just poorly worded question and i didn't give the options and that's why it was so skewed for that month so so 39%, they're attempting to fill vacancies, uh, but 14% are leaving them vacant. What do you think of that, Sarah? I, I mean, I'm not really surprised. I think if you're not wanting to take a chance, I would not take a chance. Unless you can find that perfect tenant with no red flags, just keep it empty if you can, if you can carry it, because it's going to be less headaches in the long run. And And you know, the other thing is, in there how many are airbnbs are short term right and so there might be a little piece there as well where maybe people are and i know there was a ban on airbnb for a while but now that it's back up i still think that there, there's a great opportunity for you know some investors to say okay i can take you know and careful because they're hard to finance and there's pros and cons to them but i can take some of the units that fits in an area where you could do well in Airbnb and I'm going to go do that because I don't want to deal with exactly what we're talking about. And that, yeah. that is in my opinion, a possibility for many people. For sure. In Ottawa, they, they're writing the regulations now for Airbnb, right? They're banned, they banned Airbnb, uh, but the bylaws aren't written. They're not in place yet. So if you're worried about finding the wrong tenants, like Sarah says, right? If you're not, you know, you're not comfortable doing the long-term rental thing. Well, there is a demand here for for midterm rentals, especially like 30 days plus, there is some demand. That is where I, so I'm going to make a prediction and I usually don't, but I think that is where the next big trend is going to be. Is it? Yeah. Well, I, you know, because I think, so because there's a lot of bans from Airbnb into the short-term thing, and there's a lot of people that don't want to have long-term tenants, but they might want to accommodate people that are renovating their properties, that people that are waiting for their property to be finished being built, people that are going through divorces and don't want a permanent solution, but they're in transition. And those people yes. may be less risk 
and they will create more cash for many. Granted, you might have more vacancy than usual um, because you're, you know, you've got people coming in and out. But I think that that could be a, a good niche market for a select amount of people. And I would just be careful, like talk to your mortgage broker because there's some rules and regulations. If you want to refinance, it's going to be hard. Um, but I think there's some upside. And I think, so for me personally, that's what, that's what I've decided to do with my Burlington property. Um, and it's short term, but I, I will gladly accept somebody that wants to stay that has good reviews. That is one criteria. I've rejected somebody that wanted to come for like, for like September. And I said, sorry, no, you don't have any prior reviews. That is, you know, a big important piece, but I'll tell you that, um, you know, there's some, some good positive, uh, aspects to that. Yeah. Yep. And I, you know what, I don't know if it's just me or even human nature. I think people are much more transient. Like, I don't know, Tony, like back in the day, people would say, okay, I'm, I'm going to live here. Even if you rented, you were there for years and years and you set your roots. Now with technology and COVID bring that to light that you can work remotely. You can work from here. You can work from there. If you have internet connection, right? Like Sarah's a great example at the cottage. I've been able to work remotely. Um, from my own home or other places outside of the office right so people want that constant change we need to be stimulated we need to be you know so when people yeah. you know don't see themselves like even signing a one-year commitment to a rental like people are like Ooh, one year wow okay right so those mid those short to midterm rentals that where you can change things up and have a different decor you know it's like changing your shirt change where you live right <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and even we you, you take a Take it to a, a next level, higher level. And that you know, back back in the day, we used to get a job and we'd be in there for five years. You wouldn't change positions, or you'd stay in an organization and maybe move a little bit, but you'd be in there for your career. Nowadays, you might be in a job like I forget what the stats are. I don't know what they are, but people are nowadays are going to be changing jobs much more frequently uh, than what we've done before. Okay. And so there's going to be a lot more movement and change. And that's where mid midterm, you know, even short term comes into play, especially here in Ottawa, where we've got the, 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 the military staff moving in and out, right? Talking about people who are changing jobs and the frequency of that and the, the industry that supports the government. There's a lot of change over there, CBSA, the diplomats, all of that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot more movement in terms of jobs too, which of course impacts real estate. A lot more changes. So uh, as we as we kind of round out the survey here, so the last couple or second last question is why why are you not filling vacancies? And there's a few different reasons here, but the, the, the biggest one, I guess, first place is I'm concerned the tenants won't pay because the landlord tenant board is closed. And I know we've talked about that and, and that's people's biggest scare. Maybe some tips or takeaways of, in the midst of all this, yes, we do one day see it opening back up and there's going to be a backlog and we're hoping and wishing, but what's realistically like, you know, that to, to address that concern and say, Hey, I'm not, they're not going to pay, you know, what should you just never fill the vacancy? Like you can't, at some point you have to, right. You can't be holding on to empty vacancies for months and years, right. That's not why we're in this business, but maybe what, what, uh, what are some things that can calm people down? Uh, to, 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 or you're recommending. I'm going to defer to Sarah <laughs> on that one. She's the, uh, she's the expert when it comes to tenant screening. Get a coach, find a program. I have, like, I, I don't, I hate selling on stuff, but I will tell you that I have a really good process and my students really enjoy it and they find good tenants. Um, 
But aside from that, if you have to leave it vacant for two months, I would prefer to leave it vacant for two months at some point, you know, and I hate to say this, but tenants are still a dime a dozen. There is still a lot of demand and there's still low vacancies and that'll probably keep going even if our borders are shut and even if immigration stops for a little while until COVID resumes, uh, the COVID, you know, ban and everything like that goes away um, and things resume back to normal. But I, I don't see it happening for a year. Scream, put your, your ads up, you know, do it, do it correctly so that you're still anonymous. Um, so you don't have to respond to them and you're not hounded. But at some point you'll fill them. But I don't think it's a matter of months and months and months. I think it's a matter of like a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find somebody. Yeah. If you keep doing the right steps and you keep advertising, you'll find the right tenant at some point. What you just described there is exactly what we've experienced here, at least me personally here for the last couple of vacancies. Exactly that. You know, it's taken, you know, maybe a little bit longer and we actually received a lot of... Uh, a lot of interest from from people who may not have been able to pay, you know, just because, you know, we're talking about the lost lost jobs and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, they're definitely out there. There's definitely still the high demand in Ottawa. That sounds like in your place. Too. Oh, that's great advice. And yeah, how's living like what is it like running water and housing? It's not going to go out of style, right? This isn't something that's a fad. And, and, and providing housing and, and, and rental units are definitely a long term. So, um, yeah. Oh, this is a good one too. Yeah, this is the last. One. I like this one. Who is who is this? Do you know this person on this picture? No, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. I don't know what kind. I don't know. Like she's holding for people who are listening. She's holding like uh, maybe a uh, cleaner, sanitizer. She's got some wipes. She's wearing a mask. She's about to enter a property, and the question uh, is, have you made the decision to sell, or are you currently selling any of your investment properties as a result of COVID-19? And uh, more than 70% said, no, no, heck no, we're holding on. And I'm going to say about 27% of the respondents, based on that chart, said, yes, they are. Uh, They either are selling or, or they will be selling. And I believe that uh, just really, I know a lot of landlords out there are pissed off, frustrated, angry, uh, without, because we haven't had a lot of support, eh? You know, from the, from the government and uh, boy, the media is just ripping us apart. If you go ahead and Google Bill 184, right? And just check the first two, three pages and find out how many pro-landlord articles there are for Bill 184. And it gives you an idea that we're really, uh, you know, it's we're we're David and Goliath type of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 difficult, and I can see why people would would want to sell. We don't want people to sell out of fear, out of you know making knee jerk reaction sort of thing. You know, like I want you to hold on to your properties. I think we talked about that before, Sarah. Don't sell. There's there's ways you can hold on to it. Um, let's work it out. I'd rather see you hold on to it, make more money, you know, build some wealth than instead of selling um, because they, things are changing because of COVID for sure. And you might find it tough right now, but brighter days are ahead. Can I, can I play devil's advocate? Cause I do agree with you, Tony. And, and at the end of the day, it's better to hold that property, but how about the people out there that, Oh, there's a lack of inventory out there. I'm going to sell it now because there's less competition. I can get top dollar for it. 
So I'm just playing devil's advocate, but what, what's what's your kind of take or your response to somebody that would say, well, I'm going to sell it now. I can get top dollar for it. Everybody's looking for property, looking to buy. Hey, yeah, if if it meets, when you get into real estate investing, we always have our goals and our objectives. And if selling the property today helps you reach your objective or bring your goal, then okay, maybe it's something to consider. It's, it, no One piece of the puzzle doesn't make, you, know, you shouldn't, make that decision based on one piece of the puzzle, there's a whole bunch of things you have to consider. So when somebody, when I'm talking to somebody, it's okay, you do really want to sell. Does it help you get to where you want to go? Here's the expected sale price. Here's what we expect property wise. You got capital gains, you know, selling costs. And what are you going to do with the money once you get it? Can you make more money in your next investment, if that's the step, uh, than what you're currently getting today? That's really the big question. You know, I agree. So here's here's my take on it. If you're going to sell in the next 12 months, I probably try to sell now. Be strategic. Don't sell in a panic. And I will say, Tony, you're a good real estate investor because thank you. Like this is, shows how ungreedy you are. Because some of this time, some of the time, you know, the industry can be a little bit greedy. But the fact that you're telling people to hang on, I think I would say the same thing. But as a realtor, thank you for, for doing that. That's awesome. But again, don't sell if you're in a panic. Sell if it's strategic and you're doing it for a specific reason. And sell if, if you think that the market is going to be more volatile come fall and winter, which is potentially what's going to happen. And you think that you want to get top dollar because you want to sell within the next 12 months, probably now is a good time. But if you're not going to sell and you're going to keep it for five years, why are you selling it right now? Just because all of a sudden there's COVID. This will pass. It'll take time, probably a little bit longer than, you know, the prior, who knows, SARS and, and whatnot. But it will come back to some type of normal and things will move on at some point. So don't sell just because you're panicking. Worst yeah, time to sell. Totally agree. Yeah. And I will tell you, hopefully, we go back to the fundamentals. If you bought on the fundamentals, the fundamentals will help you carry yourself through the yeah. good and the bad. And the cash flow, where you're not going to make your riches off the cash flow. You're not going to become wealthy on the cash flow, but the cash flow is what helps you in the bad times continue and keep on that property so that you can make the profits in the and better times. But you can handle that's the an bad important times. Point because so many people say, well, you know, what do you mean buy for cash flow? You know, I hear that a lot. And I go, I tell them the exact two reasons that Sarah just described. One is one, you know, you need that because the market will change. It's cyclical and it's going to go up and down and uh, that's going to happen. So when the market goes down, you can want to have that cash flow there. And number two is that the cash flow myth where people are able to just okay, I'm going to buy 10 properties. They're all going to cash flow. I'm going to retire. I'm going to live off the properties. Well, after I stop giggling, I say, listen, all that money that you're saving cash flow wise or that you're getting will eventually be put back into the property. At some point in time, you're going to have capital costs, capital repairs. You're going to have a flood. You're going to have a fire. If you're in the business long enough, it's going to happen. I'm not trying to scare people, but that's just the reality of the business. And you want to make sure you use that money to save up on your reserves. Yeah. And you know, the other, so this is the other thing. And I, I don't know why more people don't talk about this, but that the true cash flow. So there's really two strategies that I think everybody needs to have. And this is a, probably a whole other podcast that can last another hour, but you've got to have your nest egg strategy. 
those are the properties you're going to hang on to that you're going to want to pay off. And that's where your cash flow is going to come when you really pay them off. And then there is your accelerator properties, the ones that you're accumulating that you're going to have a shorter time frame on that you're going to then liquidate at some point to pay off your nest egg properties that will generate the cash flow. Because two, three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month, you know, per property is not going to create your wealth. But when you can pay six properties that are generating three thousand dollars each and they're paid in full, that is amazing. So what is your nest egg strategy? And this is what I get a lot of my students to do. What is your nest egg strategy? And what is your accelerator strategy? And it could be two different things that are, you know, going to help you get to that that goal, what's your time frame? And then you kind of work it down backwards to figure out how long it's going to take you and how many properties you actually yeah. need to get. And, and it's also those, you know, the rapid cash type of, of strategies or tactics like Alfonso's involved in right, with rent to own. And I imagine that some people use that to whatever profits they make while well, they put that aside or they're saving up to buy a property or to pay down a property or uh, what do they tell you? Like what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely being additional revenue or putting that aside so that they can buy the next property. For some, their goal is as simple as, you know, I want to save up enough, make enough on this property to have, you know, saved for school, for children or an extra vacation, right? And and not thinking about scaling, but just having additional income because they have, you know, they want to be more of a passive investor, right? Where they have that additional income flow that's, you know, but RRSPs are still cool too, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and you know what, this is, it reminds me of a saying, it makes me laugh that I'm going to say this, but my grandfather always used to say this to me in Italian. And he says, if you want tomatoes, don't plant potatoes, right? So that means you have to know your strategy. Like if it's the burst strategy, like you said, if that's your accelerator, if it's your nest egg, if it's the burst strategy, if it's a flip, if it's rentals, really stick to that and then have, have your exit strategies ready, right? That in a worst case, but really work through that A plan and, and, and follow that through. Because if you start shifting year one and then year two is another strategy, year three, you're never going to, you're going to get really wide, but not really deep, yeah. right? And, and you're going to get distracted with the shiny penny or the squirrel syndrome and, and you get really distracted and you're not going to build any long term. You're going to be kind of chasing your tail. Yeah. And I think the one word that, or two words that you said were exit strategy. And I think, you know, new investors, uh, intermediate ones, and even advanced ones, man, some people just bypass it, right? They don't think about it. That's something you need to have thought of when you're buying the property, right? And because that's a huge piece. If, if you're buying it and you don't have your exit strategy and there may, heck, there may not even be one uh, or you know, one that's suitable sort of thing, uh, then you could be land yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what, Tony? I know like we said, like with this podcast it was going to be 30 minutes and I think it's ended up being like, an hour and 30 minutes. So we got to, we all have to have you back. Cause like literally we can just keep talking and it, it's awesome well, to have you on, but we've got to go to our, guys. <laughs> you look all, you know, Sarah looks all brown and tanned and, and, and relaxed and Alfonso, you look awesome too. So, so Tony, we're going to do a, a quick, um, a oh, quick lightning okay. round okay. with you. Here's okay. what I think we'll do. Cause you've been on once. I'm just going to make up my two questions. Okay. I have to tell you, I'm already married. Okay. So don't pop the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Ready? Yep. 
This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Question number one, what is the one best thing that real estate has done for you? Without real estate, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have had the ability to do so many different things but I'm, I'm, there's so many, I'm going to pick one is that uh, when I started out, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't be able to, I'd be too nervous. I'd be drenched in sweat. Uh, I'd be stuttering. I'd be nervous, scared. So definitely by getting out there and networking and little by little, just growing, reading, um, getting up on stage a little bit at a time, you know, and growing. Uh, that way it's it's gotten much easier and i think i'm I'm most thankful for that that i'm able to actually do that and you know i i'm not the i'm not going to dazzle anybody with my verbal gymnastics i'm not going to blow uh, uh you know some professional speaker off the stage but at least i'm able to to adequate, adequately get up and and function right and and to do what i have to do job wise so i'm really thankful for that and 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 we're lucky and the right club nation is very lucky and fortunate that you're part of our community you've been so kind with your time and being on many many webinars with us and in coast to coast panels and giving your expertise so we're fortunate that you you know um what the public and government sector have lost the real estate uh, community has gained in the right club community yeah, thanks man so thank um, the question I got for you that I, I kind of Sarah put me on the spot too for my questions, but who or what has had the biggest impact on you? If they weren't, if, if it was, if it's a person or if it was an event or a thing had the biggest impact on you that, you know, made you even more convinced to, to leave the, the government private sector or public sector to come into uh, real estate investing. Uh, Don Campbell, uh, number one, probably I'd say Don just, uh, just overall for everything uh you know we could talk about his books and everything but uh just what he what he represents and what what he does and how he does things and his knowledge and uh you know i i i definitely look up to him and yeah he's he's definitely the the number one when it comes into to real estate stuff right uh but i think uh, I'm just going to guess. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a on a big limb here and say a lot of people probably think the same thing. Uh, and it's a it seems like a like an oh yeah it's an easy choice, but it's true, you know. And um, uh, I know Don. I don't. We're not. Uh, I'm not saying that we're, we're close buddies or anything like that. But throughout the years, you know, we we talked and, and seen him and uh, and just yeah, uh, I really dig the guy and and what he stands for and um, how he does things. Awesome. All right. Here's the next question. I'm literally yeah. making off the top of my head okay. and I've got, a, I've got our regular questions here. Um, but I'm just curious if you can download, um, somebody's information 
not necessarily real estate, but what they know. What, what do you not know today? It could be about any sub subject that you'd like, you'd be like, I want to know all about this particular topic and who would be the person to teach you? Yeah, I would, uh, does it have to be real estate? No, not real no? estate necessarily. Okay, okay. Uh, it would be Phillips, Philip Rivers, who used to be the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, San Diego Chargers. Uh, I'd like to download his brain information because he's a, he's a fast talker. He's, he talks smack, but he's always clean. He never swears. You know, it's, it's gosh darn it, dang nabbit. You know, he's getting pounded by 400 pound linemen and he, he just doesn't swear, but he talks a lot. But most of all, it's his thinking process because when you're playing football, like he's reading defenses and he's doing everything. He's the, he's the quarterback and the, the colonel, the sergeant, the general, and how you process all that. So I would like to download all of that stuff so that I could have a sense of what it's like being an NFL quarterback. Cool. Love that answer. Love that. That's pretty cool. All right. So the last question here will end off the lightning round, this impromptu lightning round. Um, what's, what's the thing that you're most proud of? You know, when you're, you know, I don't want the standard, uh, like, you know, athlete, oh, when, you know, I don't look at the stats or I don't look at the standings. I'll look at that. that way. But when you're leaning back and you're like, you know, 150 years old, because modern medicine and technology has allowed us to live that long and you're on the, on your rocking chair and you're looking back currently, what, what's the, what's the one thing that you're most proud of? whether it's personal, whether it's professional, your real estate investing career that, that you're most proud of? Uh, there's a few things, uh, a few things that are, that are pretty personal, so I'm not gonna touch on those, but I'll touch on probably um, leaving the government and becoming uh, you know, investor-focused realtor in Ottawa and uh, what I would call success you know, for myself, you know, it may not be a success for other people, but that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, I've, I've been able to accomplish a lot of those things that I wanted to do when I started out. And after a couple of years, I wanted to own and dominate the market, not only as a realtor and by, by dominate, I don't mean by, Hey, look at me. I've won the gold, a lot, the, whatever the gold uh, award for most sales this month and everything like that. Cause I've never been that. That's not me. It's not what we've done. We're very boutique-ish and holding people by the hand and saying, okay, here, this is how we do it. Right. So I don't give a crap about what, uh, how many sales that we do It's how many people can we help, you know, build wealth, get out of a nasty situation, that type of thing. But making that conversion from the government corporate mindset over into real estate, it didn't happen overnight, of course, but, uh, and obviously, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to take your advice up on, so I'm not going to talk about other stuff, but just being able to make that move and be what I call have some success. I'm, I'm pretty proud of. That's a really great accomplishment. Tony, where can the right club nation, our listeners reach out to know more about you? Uh, hit me up on Facebook. Just Tony Miller. Yeah. Hit me up on Facebook. I, I hang out there. You know, sometimes I'm on Instagram. And uh, I think I've seen Alfonso hanging out on TikTok quite a bit. And, uh, but I'll also, I don't think I'm, I'm there. Twitter once in a while, but uh, usually just Facebook. So, uh, I don't know. From a business perspective, that's, that's where I get a lot of, of interest and, and reaction. So I'll hang out there. 
Tony's page is one of my favorites. He's got some really hard-hitting, interesting facts, but then he's just got some lighthearted observations and opinions in his everyday life. And and uh, more and more, you're going to see him on the Right Club community as well in our forums, reaching out through there as well too. As as we uh, as we continue to get more people on there and talk about the facts and and the the and the, the matters that that are important to all, all of us investors and business owners out there. So, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Sarah, amazing interview with uh, with Tony here as well too. An amazing uh, facts and information to share with everybody, and we look forward to doing it again, Tony. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. Sure, You're appreciate awesome. it. Thanks for having we'll have me you on. back on again. You can come back for like a fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Wow, the what uh, what a conversation uh, with Tony. That, uh, that that was a great chat. We talked. We covered a lot of things. He's a, a great survey. You know, polling a lot of the Right Club Nation, a lot of his his network of people and getting some good information. Uh, I, I made tons of notes. And, and I think guys, the biggest takeaway, and I'm going to ask Sarah for hers in just a second, but let's get more involved. Let's, let's work together here, become that professional landlord, that housing provider and, and really get involved guys is we're no one's out there giving us help, right? No one's feeling sorry for all oh, the big, bad landlords, the rich landlords, guys, we know all of us, the right club nation. We're not, you know, sitting, uh, you know, above anybody else. We're, we're hardworking investors just like everybody else out there. So let, let's bond together and get involved and, and help each other out. And, and I want to throw it over to you, Sarah, to see what your, your biggest takeaway. Yeah. I mean, for me, like Tony's amazing. I mean, he's been on my podcast. He's been out on our podcast. He's sharing his insight. I think the biggest takeaway is we all need to step up a little bit if we can and create that stronger community right and so he's a perfect example like he's polling the audience and i'm not saying that we should all be polling audiences and like sharing that information but you know how can we get a little bit stronger together um and i would i would say if you guys can take like two minutes and just go to tony miller on facebook do his survey for the month and i think it would just be able to get some like better data so that we can all share and figure out what's happening in our markets. Cause unfortunately the government's not going to do this for us. Um, some of the stuff we've got to, we've got to learn on our own, but you know, I think Tony is super humble. He's super fun. He's just absolutely awesome. Another story of how real estate has successfully helped somebody create that, you know, freedom for themselves. Um, and you know, I'd love to have him back again. Like we can keep talking about real estate over and over and over. Um, but the biggest thing I would just say is, you know, how can we unite? Uh, how can we do a better job of just supporting one another? And, uh, so I don't know if it was like really one big takeaway, but I think it's just like an overall theme. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's what we've been talking about and what we've been discussing now for months, our online community up and running. It's ready to go uh, at your fingertips, guys. I know we have such amazing, loyal listeners, Right Club Nation. You guys support us and help us out so much or, or show up on the webinars, listen to the podcast, give us the feedback. Now we have something that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Put on your opinions. We want to know what's going out there. I know sometimes I even get caught in that, like, oh, I'm not going to, who wants to know that? But guys, this is, this is the thing. These are the people that are actually doing it. We're out there every single day. We're not watching the news and some town that nobody's ever heard of and there's one news story that giving that this is where everybody's got this a voice everybody's got an opportunity to share their information ask questions seeing what's going out they're getting the best opinions asking the best of the best what's going on out there and again making it your own putting those strategies putting those systems putting those things in place that it makes this whole real estate investing better experience for everybody involved so get onto the rightclub.com 
check it out. We have uh, amazing uh, pro add-on feature as well too that we have the professionals that, that build up your power team, people that are actually doing it, conversations that are going through. So uh, reach out to me and Sarah on there as well as Daniel and Laurel and, and the, the amazing Right Club Nation that is all on there that as the numbers continue to grow um, and share that info. We have so many different topics, so many different varieties of things where you can go there and get that real estate fix or, or even a business mindset, everything that you need uh, to do and run your business is all on there. And, and Sarah and I are on there constantly messaging back and forth. Another way for us to stay in touch and get in contact with you. Yeah, so, guys, if you're uh, listening to this, send us a message, therightclub.com. Find me, find Alfonso, and uh, let us know how this podcast has either helped you or given you some insights, or if you just want to share some stories. You know, we, we definitely love to connect with, uh, with our Great Club Nation. So, on that note, Alfonso, what do we say? Next time, Red Club Nation, come grow with us. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.